Transmissions from the Moon. Part two of Monster Sucks. Again, for the first time. Written by Ellergast, narrated by Smoking Bomber. Chapter one of Libraries and Tacos. The library was always too crowded on Sundays. Mamoru supposed it made a kind of sense from a theoretical standpoint. The library was always particularly deserted on Friday night as most students fled their responsibilities with a sense of start-of-the-weekend optimism. It remained barren through Saturday morning, as those same students stayed at home to nurse hangovers. Saturday afternoon, a few more students rallied themselves out of bed to make a token effort at studying, but by dinner time, it was already clearing out again for round two of weekend fun. This was, theoretically, the life that a student was meant to lead, even a student at Harvard University. Of course, that was what Momoru had heard secondhand of the fable student life, but the midway point of his first semester at the prestigious school saw the pre-med student with few social relationships outside of the classroom and little desire for them. It may have made for some long and empty nights, but the payoff had been showing in his grades and he intended to keep things that way. Thus was Momoru stuck every Sunday, competing with frantic, red-eyed students for some of the prized study locations. He resented them for their poor study habits and time management skills, but mostly he resented them for taking up all the study carols and tables. He was already getting a later start than usual, having indulged in a longer morning run than he usually took time for. It was a routine that he had held on to as a stress relief since his high school days, a coping me mechanism with the added benefit of keeping him battle-ready, a necessity that was never far from his mind. It had been a good run, too. The sun shining in last-ditch effort at summer, the air crisp in his lungs. He had been almost downright jovial when he walked into the library. But all that joy was unraveling now as he paced the aisles, finding one table after another occupied. He grumbled to himself as he passed by his peers, taking up precious study space to surf Facebook or watch movie trailers. Couldn't they do that at home? Waste their own time instead of his with their pointless activities? He was almost contemplating reporting someone to the surly librarians for eating or talking loudly on their cell phone, just to get them kicked out, when he spotted a near-empty table tucked away behind the stacks. Upon further inspection, he found only a single individual occupying one side of it, leaving the other half tantalizingly clear. With speed that could have broken the sound barrier, Mamoru launched himself down the aisle and dropped his bag on the table, triumphantly staking his claim. His table mate gave a snort and shifted in his seat, settling back in a deep slumber. It figured that Momoru would find himself next to yet another of those slackers he was complaining about inwardly, but at least it was a sleeper instead of a cell phone talker. As he began to pull his books out, the sleeper snored softly, shifting his sneakers where they rested on top of his open notebook. If he were honest with himself, Momoru would acknowledge that there was a reason why he made the trek to the library every day instead of studying at home where it was quieter and he was allowed to eat. Because even though he had lived alone since he was 15, even though he spent every possible morning talking to Usako, 
because he could more reliably drag himself out of bed to talk to her at 6 a.m. when it was evening in her time zone than vice versa. It was nice to be among other people, even lame, nameless ones who took all the good seats. He stole a glance at the young man across from him. His sneakers were sprinkling dirt onto the open pages of his notebook. His jeans were frayed at the hem, a Batman logo belt buckle prominently displayed, with a kind of audacity that Mamoru could not imagine possessing. His arms were crossed over his t-shirt, hiding whatever witty phrase was printed across it. He had sunk deep into the dark wooden chair, and had an orange hoodie balled up between his head and the back of the chair. The dark chocolate-brown curls that pulled around his broad shoulders were as rumpled as if he had just rolled out of bed, which was perhaps exactly what he had done prior to entering the library. There was something oddly comforting about the sleeper's presence, and as Mamoru worked his way through his organic chemistry textbook, he could feel some of the tension draining from his shoulders. He could almost forget about the other jerks in the library under the steady drone of the sleeper's breathing. It was almost reassuring in a way. Midway through the chapter on Halo-Alcanes, Halo the brunette man rolled over, dropping his arm over the side of the chair. One of his fingers was swollen and taped up, and Mamoru automatically considered a diagnosis, whether a sprain or possibly a mild fracture. Actual medical school was still a long way off, but that didn't mean that he had not been studying on his own for longer than he needed to. He had, after all, spent a fair number of nights dragging himself through his balcony door, sporting any number of Yuma-related injuries. He made his own best guinea pig. Despite his apparent laziness, the haphazard barricade of books that crowded the sleeper's side of the table was rather impressive. Most of the titles and authors were foreign to Mamoru, but some he had heard of. Nietzsche, Plato, Kant, Heidegger, Sartre. Of course, he had heard someone mention once that philosophy majors did nothing but argue over pints of beer, but the reading list was still somewhat impressive. At least he was using his own notebook as a footrest instead of the library books. He was rapidly writing notes, almost forgetting about the sleeper across from him, when the table started to rumble. A cell phone danced over the wood surface by the sleeper's feet. It took several rounds of the tiny device frantically vibrating for the sleeper to roll over with a long sigh. Mamoru watched out of the corner of his eye as he slowly lowered each leg and pushed himself up in his seat until he simply hunched forward instead. The brunette man groggily stared at his phone for several seconds, as though uncertain of his purpose. It finally went still. Satisfied that the electronic menace was not going to move again, he glanced around the library as if to remind himself of where exactly he had fallen asleep, scratching at two-day stubble with the fingers that were not taped up. It took an inordinate amount of time for him to notice that there was somebody on the far side of the table, and when he did, he had to slowly blink at Mamoru a few times to get his bearings. Mamoru tried very hard not to notice. His gaze shifted to the literature fort that had been erected between them, and the brunette man seemed to return a little more to the waking world. Shit, sorry man, he mumbled swaying to his feet and grabbing a stack of Greek philosophers 
away from where they'd been encroaching on Mamora's territory. It's no problem, the black-haired man replied, relieved for once that the silence had been broken. Looks like you need the extra space. The recently awoken sleeper tried to talk around a yawn as he piled the books haphazardly to the side. Yeah, I had this awesome idea that I could write all my philosophy essays in one go, since I'm saying the same basic thing in all of them. Now I gotta write what amounts to about 25 pages of the meaning of life by Wednesday, and I haven't even figured out what Plato's deal was yet. Hasn't the Western world been debating Plato's deal for a few thousand years now? Which is exactly why Wikipedia should be able to deliver a better synopsis by now. The brunette rubbed the sleep out of his eye. Actually, I'm just data collecting so I can sound like I know what I'm talking about when I blow all their arguments apart using aboriginal circular philosophy. Nothing gets a prof more excited than the idea that Nietzsche was wrong on account of believing that time is linear. Mamoru was not entirely sure how to follow that topic, or whether he was meant to. I don't think I get it. But it sounds smart, right? What are you doing, science? Organic chemistry. Okay, nobody does that shit unless they plan to do something with it. Let me guess, med school? That's the goal. The brunette man stretched his t-shirt, saying something or other about pirates that Mamor's non-native English skills were completely baffled by, also stretching out, also stretching over a muscular chest, and settled back with an arm behind his head. You're nuts, bro. I mean, don't get me wrong, I got nothing but the highest respect for you doctors, but who wants to spend all their days looking at other people's nasty sick bodies? Memoru used to consider whether he actually had the stomach to be dealing with blood and organs and bodily fluid on a day-to-day -day basis. Then he discovered Yuma, and decided any nastiness associated with the human body paled in comparison with having a giant, slimy, larva-like monster pop like a blister directly over his head thanks to a well-placed but poorly-timed love-me chain. The squishy journey home for a shower put his entire scope of disgusting into perspective. If you overlook that part, it's really very interesting. The goal isn't to just look at sick bodies, it's to turn them into healthy ones. That's noble and stuff, but I think I'll stick to my dead philosophers. No asking them to be in a cup. He really should be returning to his chapter on hollow alkalines. Hallow alkanes. But somehow, the conversation had already drawn him in. So instead you just, what was it? Ask them to stop thinking of time as linear? Exactly. I mean, sure it means altering your entire perception of reality and undermining thousands of years of Western thought, but they're smart guys, they could pull it off. He gave a lazy grin and Mamora found himself uncertain of when his table mate was quite serious. See, I don't think I could do that argue about something with no clear answers. But see, that's our problem, isn't it? Science makes us believe that there's a cut and dry solution to everything. It makes us impatient with anything we can't reduce to a formula. It has its place, but it can't explain, say, why my friend Sasha thinks Celine Dion is anyone worth listening to. Actually, if you study the tonal frequency and the rhythm of pop music, you can actually calculate the way that emotional response is manipulated. The brunette threw his head back into his arm to laugh. 
It was far too loud of a laugh for a library environment, making some part of Mamoru cringe a little, but the other part was swept up with the man's good cheer. He had a feeling that he was the sort of person who often got away with being a little too loud. Oh, fuck me. I'm going to text him that right now, that there's a scientific basis for his bad taste. Mamoru watched as he picked up the phone that had so rudely awoken him before and typed in his message one-handed, grinning vindictively. This argument's been going on for a while. I give him shit about it only because I'm right. In the quiet lull punctuated by furious key tapping, Mamoru glanced down at his unfinished notes. He could go back to organic chemistry like he was supposed to, or he could find something to say before the conversation fizzled out and his inordinately loud companion found somewhere else to nap. He tapped his pen nervously on the page. So, your friend, Sasha, is he a student here too? Nah, Sasha thinks he's too special and artsy for Harvard. He's at the Art Institute doing obscene things with paint. He flipped his phone closed and dropped it on the table, taking up his relaxed pose again. So you're what, second year? Freshman. That means they got you eating in Annenberg. Beautiful place, but the food is shit. Yeah, it's a bit overwhelming. Mamoru had spent his first week in residence wondering how he could be expected to eat with dozens of stained glass windows and busts of historical figures peering down at him, chandeliers glittering over the dark wood. It was full of echoes and the creaking of wood tables and always too crowded. For someone who had spent his life in small, understated Tokyo living spaces, it was completely out of his comfort zone. If he had any say in the design of Crystal Tokyo's future palace, then no such great hall would exist without a separate, private dining area to hide out in. I kind of feel like I'm in a museum or church or something. Or Hogwarts. Just don't touch the chicken patties. Or the eggs. Actually, I think I ate a lot of Fruit Loops in Annenberg. Considering he had spent most of his high school career eating whatever greasy offerings Motoki served him at Crown, Momoru couldn't complain. At least it's a buffet? Shit, yeah. I complain, but I still ate like three of everything all the time. The brunette scratched at his stubble. It's Neil, by the way. Guess I'm a jerk for not saying so before. You? Mamoru. That Japanese? The phone began buzzing again, skating frantically over the table's wood surface. This time, Neil bothered to pick it up and look at the display. Hold that thought. He flipped the phone open, beaming into it. Hey! A pause that only widened his grin. It's not bullshit. It is absolute fact. And I got a guy here who can verify it. It's science. Look it up, homeboy. He paused again, pulled the phone away from his ear to check the time. Half an hour? Hold on. He looked at Mamoru. You like Mexican? Tacos? This place makes the best salsa in the universe. Uh... Mamoru glanced down at his unfinished notes, his hard-won table, and his bag containing the unopened protein bar that would keep him going for the afternoon. Neil looked at him with chocolate-brown eyes that were sincere and impossible to argue against. You eat in Annenberg, bro. Sasha, my buddy here needs an intervention. A taco intervention. Can we do that? He gave Mamoru a thumbs up. Half an hour. Got it. Neil stood, shoving his phone in his pocket. Come on, I'm rescuing you from another questionable Annenberg meal. 
Memora's head swam as he stood, and wondered at what point he had agreed to such an excursion. Your friend won't mind? Neil shoved his dirty notebook into his bag. Nah, Sasha likes new people, and he understands tacos. Tacos are important. What about the 25 pages of essays you need to write? The brunette shrugged, picking up a seemingly random stack of five books. I've got all night. Can't philosophize on an empty stomach. Come on, man. You can't spend every waking moment of the day tied to your textbook. Mamoru wanted to say that actually he could, and had done so quite easily for the past month, but for once, studying was no longer on his mind. Best salsa in the universe? His new companion grinned, hoisting his bag up on his shoulder. One taste of this stuff is like a transcendental experience. You'll be a changed man. Neil drove too fast, and he used his hands when he spoke, one arm lazily draped across the steering wheel while the other gesticulated and punctuated his speech. The swollen finger, which he confirmed was indeed a sprain from hockey practice, seemed not to inhibit him as he pointed out important locations for Memoria to note, most of them restaurants. Neil seemed to have an eye for shady little hole-in-the-wall places with amazing culinary masterpieces hidden in their depths. Within the ten-minute car ride, he learned that such a thing as deep-fried sushi existed and that butter chicken pizza was to be coveted. You can never have enough Mexican, though. That's what I love about the States. You got a Mexican restaurant, like, every five feet. Mamoru watched yet another must-eat-at place whip by. Are you not American? Nah, I'm from Canada. We're the nice guys up north. I love my country and all, but there's a few things about this place you learn to love. You know you can buy beer in gas stations here? This country is amazing! Mamoru decided not to mention that beer was available even in vending machines back in Japan, where drinking seemed like less of a thing. They pulled up outside of a trendy-looking vintage boutique. The mannequins in the window were dressed in clashing ensembles of varying eras, outlandish wigs and oversized petticoats making them all look like drag queens. Neil led him inside, past hipsters in flannel and band t-shirts, and straight to the counter where retro sunglasses and buttons were on display. Even in such an eclectic setting, the fiery copper-blonde mess of hair that appeared from the back room was impossible to overlook. The sight the slight figure that wore it was just this side of androgynous, just a shade masculine enough not to cause confusion. The seemingly endless amount of silver hoops and studs in his ears, the single lip ring, made him look combative, but when he spotted Neil, the young man's face lit into an easy smile that extended right up into his impossibly green eyes. You're early. It's salsa. We couldn't wait. Sasha, this is my new buddy, Mamoru. He's smart, and he needs tacos. Mamoru appreciated that Neil did not butcher his name. It seemed like even the most intelligent Harvard students were unable to call him something that did not sound like mammary. Sasha held out a hand that was dotted with white paint and adorned with three heavy rings. His thumbnail was painted bright green to match his eyes. Hey, I hope Neil didn't bully you into coming along. He's impossible to turn down sometimes. Neil picked out a pair of aviator shades and slid them on, price tag dangling from his ear. I don't bully. I cajole firmly into submission. 
Don't worry, he's mostly harmless. Hey, I saved you something. Sasha ducked beneath the counter for a moment and came up with a plastic bag, which he handed to Neil. Mamoru would not have thought it possible for the heavy man's voice to go up an entire octave, but somehow he managed it with near-girlish delight. Smurfs! While Mamoru was trying to figure out what kind of bizarre expletive his new companion had just squealed out, Neil pulled a blue t-shirt out of the bag and pushed the sunglasses on top of his head for a better look. Is this original? You know I wouldn't bother if it weren't. You're my fucking hero, Sasha! Look, Mamoru Smurfs! Mamoru eyed the blue cartoon characters, uncertain of how they could be a source of excitement. Um... Sasha leaned on the counter. Don't worry, Mamoru. Nobody else other than Neil would care either. That's because my tastes are so refined that nobody else can conceive of them. Without hesitation or a glance at his very public surroundings, Neil dropped the shirt and sunglasses on the counter, reached back, and pulled his pirate shirt over his head in one swift move. Mamoru tried not to stare at the fact that someone he had known for less than an hour was now standing half-naked beside him. He also tried not to note that he had more defined biceps than Mamoru did. Neil pulled on the blue shirt and the aviators, grinning like a little boy. Now I look badass. You look more badass without the tag. Come here. Sasha pulled his skinny, tight, black jeans-clad rear up onto the counter and took hold of the back of his shirt. Neil dutifully bent towards him like a patient, leashed dog until the blonde had finished clipping the tag off the back. There, now you look complete. Can you cut me a deal on the shades, too? They're like five bucks. Pay up, you asshole. Neil did so, grumbling something or other about extortion. I just need to get my stuff. Hey, can you get down a box for me while you're here? All the tall people are off today, and that stepladder is out to kill me. After you made me pay full price, you can afford a better stepladder. Sasha glared leaf-green daggers. I just gave you a shirt. Ugh, fine. He swiped Mamoru on the arm. Be right back. Sasha followed Neil into the stockroom. The one in the top middle says receipt paper. You have an extra roll on the counter, man. I just saw it. Yeah, but I might need extra. Sasha leaned against the doorframe and cast a glance out at Mamoru. He had his back to them as he idly looked over a row of jackets. So, are you planning to bring home every Japanese guy you meet? Neil grabbed the edge of the box. Unless you got a better plan. Is this one at least a med student? Pre-med, and yes. Moved here in the last couple months? Also correct. Does he have a girlfriend? I don't know. I'm not exactly going to hand him a list of vital questions, am I? Neil shoved the box into Sasha's arms. Why don't you ask him who he's seeing? Ask him whether she's secretly moon royalty. This just seems like a slow way of doing things. There must be tons of first-year pre-med guys from Japan. Well, if you'd let King connect with Endy again, maybe we get some useful facts out of it, like his name. Don't. Sasha was testy over Kane's actions, mostly because he liked his leader alive. Okay, what do you think of him? Sasha glanced at the man in question. He seems quiet and nice. You say that like it's a criticism. 
Well, you can't say that Endy didn't sometimes come off as a right asshole on the first meeting. Sure, Endy did, but he was royalty. It was expected of him. You don't think he'd be a bit different this time? Sasha set the box on the floor, fishing out a roll of paper. Maybe. Have you seen his eyes? The blonde paused. He hadn't actually thought about it, but there was something there. Something about the color. Yeah. So you agree with me that there's potential here? I don't know. It's worth looking into, I guess. He paused to set the roll on the counter, still watching Mamora's back. He's so tall. Yeah, if you're the size of a teenage girl. Neil dodged the combat boot-clad kick aimed at his shins, a grin already plastered back on his face, as he lowered his new shades over his eyes. Hey, Mamoru, ready for tacos? You need to tell Sasha that stuff you said about frequency and emotional manipulation. He doesn't believe me. Sasha was still fuming silently as Neil ushered his new buddy out of the store, wondering if there wasn't a better way.